0: Second service. That's good to see y'all. Hey, I hope the first week of school has been good for everyone. No? I see some shaking heads. Some haven't gone yet. That's right. So many good to see the students. When do y'all start? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. It is good to see all the students. It's good to see everybody. You know, the first day of school is always, you know, it's, it's fun for most parents and for kids sometimes they all look nice and tidy like this girl right here you know where where is she at you know there she is isn't that cute how many how many of you really looked really good that first day of kindergarten you know a lot of teachers feel like this you know they, they they're dressed really well and you know SAISD started this past week didn't you yeah Wednesday You know, that's good. Shelly did not come home with any black eyes, so that's a good start to the year. But how many after that very first day, whenever you feel really good about it, how many of you end up coming home looking a little bit like this? (laughs) I just really wish you could see this up close. There's so much that you can analyze about that picture. She looks like an adult. You know, sometimes we go through our life and sometimes we encounter trouble and difficulty. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. But my hope is that as we begin this new chapter for some of you, that it, it goes well and that you learn and you grow. And the relationships you make will stay with you for the rest of your life. Let's pray together as we begin. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for you. You are good Um, Lord, we ask you right now that you would just help us to kind of center a little bit, focus. Lord, I know that there are some things that you want to say today. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, that you would pierce our hearts this morning, and that you would allow us, Lord, as we leave to have a stronger sense of trust and faith in you. That we could leave here different than when we came in. Lord, that we could leave a little bit more bold than when we entered. Bold with you. Lord, you've called us and you are pursuing us. Even if there are those in this room who have not accepted you, who have not chosen to follow, Lord, you are pursuing them. And I just pray that you would kind of break down those walls that are keeping us from fully engaging with who it is you want us to be. So I pray that that begins right now. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 10 today. So turn in your Bibles to Matthew. And then there's that other Hebrew word that I love so much, betakon uh, or something. But it's this idea of trust. It's the acting on the faith that we have. So a lot of times we don't necessarily trust because the amount of faith we have really. It's not that much but I think God can grow our faith and so we talked about this idea of belief and how when things are at their worst even when they're with our family at their worst do we still believe that God is going to do what he says he's going to do that he's going to as it says in Romans 8 work all things out for good for those who love him could we believe but again you know just like that man in the story last week. We need help sometimes with our unbelief, don't we? But why is it difficult? Why is it so difficult for us to believe that God is present and active and listening? We have problems believing some things, but we have absolutely no problems believing other things. There are lots of things that we just believe to be true. Even if what it is that we're going to believe causes us more worry, we'll still believe it. That's kind of a pattern in, in our, our history in this culture. So you all know the story, but in 1938, Orson Welles did a radio drama called War of the Worlds. It was really ahead of his time, because the way he did it was, it was like a reality show. And he had people on the ground, they were acting as if they were news reporters, and they were describing in full detail what was happening, this horrible thing that was happening. The Martians had landed in Grover's Mill, New York. Well, that radio show had about 6 million listeners, which is a lot. But out of that six million, about a million tuned in late. They did not hear the, this is a radio program. Thank you so much for whoever sponsoring us and let's get to the show. They went right smack dab into the news reporting of the events that were happening. Now, out of that a million, I'm just going to give them credit. A lot of those people are smart enough to know this was not real. But about 10% of that million were fully invested. And it was mainly around this New York area, but you had this one little tri-city area around Grover's Mill, around two, three hours. That's where everything started happening. People started getting their guns together. They started getting all their food packed. They started packing their families up. Some peop- uh, There's a story about people calling the operators operators were just flooded with calls what's happened to town they had already crossed state line when they realized it wasn't true so when they came back yes they were embarrassed but things got a little worse because they found out several weeks later that the grandmother had written them out of the will because they didn't stop by to pick her up (laughs) written him out of the will and she only lived a mile away isn't that funny I, we, we would never do that, Cliff and Glenda, never, you're our first stop. <laughs> but it's funny because those people, and you can read stories, there, you know, a lot of people said it was a worldwide or nationwide, I don't think it was this big, I think that was kind of, you know, explosive news, but what I do believe is some people were fully engaged in the idea that Martians had landed and they did not know what to do. But we're smarter than that nowadays, aren't we? <laughs> That's a much more uh, loud reaction than I had first service. They were still trying to hide the fact that they don't fall for. Th- How many hoaxes do we fall for on Facebook? How many hoaxes this week have we fallen for on Facebook? Do they do ho- are hoaxes on Instagram that much? There's really not any hoaxes on Instagram, is there? Yeah, Facebook, there's hoaxes all over the place. You know, we read them and it ignites some sort of a visceral reaction and we immediately engage and then we share it with everyone. We never, just by the way, it takes five seconds to just search on the internet, is this true? And you'll find out if it's not really quick. But we believe a lot of those things and we don't even think twice about it. I've been caught. (laughs) <laughs> I've been embarrassed, and I've apologized. Of course, sometimes the news is real. You know, it is dire. Uh, this past week, I had woken up and really early, and I was eating breakfast, and I read a story about National Geographic, and the title was, This Could Be the End of the Banana. Y'all, that's, and I love bananas, and I, I, I for, full, for four minutes, I was completely engaged and invested in the fact that we could lose the banana. There's a fungus in America, and there's a fungus in Asia, and it's sweeping the world, and it could kill the banana. For four minutes, I was just thinking, my kids are never going to know what it's like for having banana nut bread or banana nut ice cream or peanut butter and bananas. And my grandkids are never going to know about the banana. And I'm honest, I'm honest, I'm embarrassed. For four minutes, I panicked. I'm thankful my kids weren't awake, and then after four minutes, I just stopped, (laughs) took a breath, and I went, huh, that's really embarrassing, because I'm about to go to work to write about how we're not supposed to worry, and here I am, (laughs) fully engaged in a panic mode about banana being gone. Maybe I've said too much, (laughs) but there are headlines that are worse than the death of a tropical fruit. We know that. We know there are some headlines in the world that are very difficult to read and they're true we see stories and some sometimes we get wrapped up in these things we get wrapped up in the panic of whatever the lead story is of the day and we know that they always change but as I started looking at all the things all these headlines all these stories all the escalating drama that words that they use to try to draw us into their story my my question is, is, should I be surprised that any of this is happening? I mean, after all, Jesus told his disciples in John 16, in this world you will have trouble. He said it very clearly to them. And they did. So in Matthew 10, Jesus is preparing his closest friends and followers to go into the world. He's preparing them to take the message to tell people what God is doing through Jesus Christ it's good news it's the fact that hey what you've been praying for this entire past generation or two or three God's done it he's doing it right now they were going to get to go and tell these people and so as he's giving them instructions and last minute warnings the the news he's saying it sounds a little grim so let's 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 read starting in verse 16 He says this, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes, as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Now, that's comforting. You know, it's, it's not going to be you speaking. It's going to be the Spirit of your Father. That's very comforting. What I find interesting when, is when Jesus says, now, when they arrest you, not if, When. He's saying, you will be, not you might, you will. Is that comforting? What I'm realizing is that if we have chosen to follow and we've given Jesus our life, then I think we should expect to encounter trouble, especially trouble that's already alive and present in this fallen world. But the question is, should it worry us, all these headlines and all the things that are going on in the world? Should it surprise us? I think we should expect at some point the world's going to be on fire. We should expect at some point that there are going to be some very scary and dangerous things happening, even close around us. But I would also say that we definitely need to pray that God ends the fire, that he calms the violence, that he brings peace to those situations. But should we be surprised that there's war and disease and famine and oppression across the world? And should we be surprised that they're here in America as well? I would say no, because this is a fallen world. You know, God's been able to do a lot through our country but we have some major problems. And we've always had some major problems ever since the beginning. If we ever get to that point where we don't need God, whew, that's a scary place to be. Our problems are reminding us each and every day how much we need God. But we've always had some major issues, and I know some of us lament this idea that that there are good old days that will never be again. But what I'm growing to realize is that those good old days were not good for some people. Those good old days were, for some, filled with pain and trouble, panic, heartache. But we know we're going to have trouble in this world. Jesus says it. We should expect for these things to happen abroad and and even here in this city. This city is still, still in a very fallen world. And granted, we have got some beautiful things and beautiful people here, but there are also some very dark places within two square miles of us right now. But, fortunately, in the darkness is where God does His very best work. And He's using us to shine in that darkness because He loves to work in the darkest parts of humanity. He loves to work in those places that seem like a big, hot mess. He loves it. He loves getting His hands dirty and to get in there and make things right. And He does His work through us, through us, through His lights, through His witnesses. But if we're so busy worrying about headlines or what could happen then we might miss the opportunities that lay right before us and as I said before worry can take us down some very dark paths we know that because worry what it does is it gives us this tunnel vision you know it keeps us from seeing this big picture and instead what it does is it pushes pushes us into this self-centered place where we hide, where we kind of hunker down, where we get into this defense mode. And whenever you're in defense mode, you cannot think about how to help anyone but yourself. When you're panicked, you can't think of what it means to bless someone or to bring good news to them or to help them. What we do is we end up, you know, hiding and we kind of exclude others. We label people and we withdraw so that we can make sure we're safe. It happens all the time. You know, an example. Our job is to seek out and save the lost for Christ. Because he's got hope that other people may not have ever seen before. If that's our job, to show them this hope then what happens if those lost people come to us unexpectedly? What happens if it's the right situation? Well, it's good. In the right situation, it's great. But what happens if it's an interruption? Or what happens if it's at work and we have something else that we really need to be doing and all of a sudden we have an opportunity to share a story of hope? What happens then? What happens if someone comes to us unexpectedly and they may not look like we're used to they may be a little disheveled they might you know look a little bit dangerous or sketchy what happens in those situations i think what worry does is worry kind of zeroes in on those things that we don't want to lose and in those situations i think what we're worried about losing i know for me certain moments i'm worried about losing is my safety safety for my family safety for others I'm worried about losing time because I've got to get something done. I'm worried about getting off schedule. So what happens is instead of reaching out to these people, we kind of keep our distance because we don't feel safe. But the truth is, God wants us to reach everyone. And I started thinking, how many people did the apostles go to? How many houses were not safe? were not friendly how many were initially friendly but it turned out to be hostile towards their message we don't know but i'm i know there were some and i think like us it's it's similar that that even though jesus warns them hey this is what's going to happen i think they were still a little bit surprised they're probably like hey but i've got good news here this is this is good Even though they were surprised, we are surprised. I don't, I don't really think we should be. CNN shouldn't surprise us. Fox News shouldn't surprise us. Anything we hear on talk radio shouldn't surprise us. But if it does, it needs to, I kind of think we need to ask ourselves, why is it surprising us? And, and what is the source of our worry, really? I mean, why do we worry about the headlines and all these shocking stories I mean, we should be in prayer consistently, continually. We should be praying that God does His work. And if we are in a position to do something, yes, do something. But worrying doesn't really help anyone. Are we worried that violence or conflict may come to us? Are we worried that it might get too close to home? Are we worried that that we might lose our freedom or our way of life? Our safety, maybe yes to all of that. I do believe that if we worry and we're kind of giving ourselves into it, we're worried because we are fearing that we're going to lose something. But as I'm thinking through this, what if we're not losing anything? Now, think about it. If you're a follower of Jesus, we've already renounced the world. We've already renounced even our life. We're following Jesus because he is offering us something better, something more. So, if our heart, our soul, and our mind and our strength are seeking after God and God alone, then what really will we lose if we put ourselves out there in the darkness to shine? What are we going to lose? Because we believe, right, that Jesus, that God's going to work out for the good everything for him who loves. He's going to work everything out for the good. And we love him. So this means that we can look at the headlines. We don't have to worry. We look at the stock prices. We don't have to worry. We look at other people's fear and anxiety towards all these things and the direction our world is taking and the fact that our country's morality is the bar is lowering. We can look at all that and we don't have to worry. We can concern, be concerned and pray and work in the midst, yes, but worrying doesn't change anything. But we can look at all this and we don't have to worry because we know that God is working and present and he's not finished yet. He has not finished working things out. We pray, Lord, come quickly. We pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this each and every day. But even though the world seems more broken and broken each and every day, and the world lurches this way and, and bad things happen over here, we know that those signs mean that that God's working something out. He's trying to redeem, trying to restore, trying to, to fix what has been broken for a long time and Jesus was the beginning and he's continuing to do it through each and every one of us those whose hearts are completely his and the earth is welcoming it Romans 8 uh, 19 says for the creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed for the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it and hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. The earth is waiting, and it's, it's waiting. As Paul says a little later, it's like birth pains. I don't know anything about that. But there's things that are moving and happening, and it's difficult and painful because God's working it out. And I think it's our responsibility as the children of God not to shrink in fear because we worry but because we, or, or because we're surprised at how broken the world is. Our responsibility is to go into the darkness, go into this world because just as those apostles were sent, I believe we have been sent too. We are the representatives of something better. Life without fear, life without worry. We're representatives of a life that is real, it's fulfilling, purposeful. And man, what a great responsibility we have. We get to share good news, and it is good. The news is good. And from what, what, what Jesus told them to expect, you'd think he was telling them, hey, you're about to go into war. You're about to go protest. It's going to be difficult what you're about to do. But what is he telling him to do? Look at the very beginning of Matthew. Uh, verse 7 says this, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And this is what he tells him to do, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. He's saying freely give. He says, you have, freely, um, freely you have received freely give. He says, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person. Stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If not, it, let, it re, let the peace return to you. He's, he's telling them to heal and, and to offer forgiveness and, and release from bondage. And he's saying, offer peace. Jesus is sending these people to help. He's sending us to do the exact same thing to love and to accept and to include. And I think that that's our mission, isn't it? To love and to bless, to give people hope and good news. But we know the world does not want our mission to succeed. It does not. We also know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities and the powers. It's against those systems of power that oppress. So my encouragement this week is I'm looking through all of this. All I can think of is to say, don't worry. Wait to see what God's about to do. Don't worry. The word is behold. Behold what God is going to do because God's at work. And if you believe that He's going to make everything good for those who love Him, then that means you believe that He's working even in the midst of every headline. You know every headline in every story is an opportunity for God to do something amazing? Even if our name is in the headline. God's doing something. Every headline, every dark story, every dark place is an opportunity for God to shine through us. So don't worry. Behold. Because we have things to look forward to. The kingdom of heaven is to come for us. Freedom, forgiveness is to come. Eternity with Jesus is to come. Deep love and and, and, and purpose and connection is to come. For those people who are followers of Jesus, it's not really us living anyway. What does Galatians 2 says? It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Jesus is doing his work in us. He's doing his work in the world. So we shouldn't worry. We should just behold and see what God is about to do Something new, gathering all people and nations to himself. The evil one will fight back because he knows he's lost. And if you find yourself in the middle of that battle, shine brighter and just see what God will do. Because God is present and active. He's doing a thing within each and every story, within each and every dark place, within each and every unexpected encounter within each and every moment you could have with a coworker, He's doing something. He's speaking through you. Even though you may be worried you may not know what to say or that you know, don't know enough, Spirit will speak through you. So don't worry. Behold what God will do through you when you allow yourself to shine. And for those of you who have not yet decided to follow God, give Jesus your life. I'm going to tell you, there is such freedom There's such freedom in knowing that God's got us. Now granted, do we struggle? Of course. Just like those people, we we need more belief too. God help us with my unbelief. But I will tell you, when you realize that God has got you and you start to believe, your belief will grow. Your faith will become fast. And we can come to a place where we don't have to worry. Because God has got us. My prayer for you is that you can go from this place today a little bit more bold, knowing that you can go into deep places, dark places, even places that that you're worried to go to because you know God will use you in those places. Be bold and shine wherever you are, and don't worry. He's got you. He's got you. Let's stand together. If you need prayer, I'll be here. Our elders will be all around our room. We would love to pray with you.